episode 25 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Now, I have again this week here, I have my host, Eva. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And this week we're going to talk, uh, we've kind of gotten off of the Halloween stuff, uh, so we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about some other films. Uh, I have one of my favorites that comes out of Pennsylvania, at least that's where the movie is supposed to be taking place. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a 1986 Ron Howard comedy film. Uh, mm-hmm. For those of you who who might not know what movie this is, uh, it actually is a very poignant look at Americans and Japanese together. Uh, it's the movie Gung Ho. Alrighty. Uh, yeah, it stars Michael Keaton and Getty Watanabe, uh, mm-hmm. who we've heard of before. We've seen them before in other things that we've talked about on the podcast. Yep. Uh, basically, the story portrays the takeover of American car plant by a Japanese corporation, uh, which is kind of funny because the title for it actually happens to be from an Americanized Chinese expression for work and together. <laughs> So, oh, I wondered about that. Yeah, okay. so Gung Ho really is not even Japanese, but they use it for this movie anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Uh, it's, I, I have to say, I kind of liked the movie for what it was in the fact that it was really, at the time, you know, in in the 80s, things were really tumultuous with the Japanese and that there were still a lot of people, even in this area here in Pennsylvania, where they were trying to do this, uh, especially yeah. in the Midwest. Attitudes towards the Japanese were you're a bunch, you know, you're a bunch of Japs, you're, you know, you're you're a bunch of rice roni crew, and we hear this sort of stuff, this negative attitudes in the film. And this film, yeah, you know, it was really because there was still a lot of hatred from the Americans over, well, the Japanese are coming in, they're they're taking our jobs away, you know, they're they're yeah. developing stuff, they're they're making stuff that's better than ours, you know, America, mm-hmm. go America, type thing, yeah. You know, and that was that was a lot of the mindset back in the early eighties. Yeah. Uh so to kind of see this here, uh, you know, we're seeing the Japanese starting to come here and trying to develop cars here in the US rather than building them in Japan. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of seeing these culture clashes going on with uh with with the Japanese who are learning to, you know, embrace the American culture. Uh yeah. for example, the scenes with, you know, want some more Jimmy Dean sausage? No, yeah, yeah. No more Jimmy Dean sausage. No more Hawaiian punch. No more, <laughs> you know, green giant frozen niblets. Yes. You know, which uh, was cute, but I understood what the underlying message of that was too. It was, yeah. You know, yeah. they're tired of what they're dealing with with us. You know, they're trying to deal with everything, and I get that. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead here. We're going to jump into the cast a little bit here. Kind of talk about okay. who's playing in the movie here. Uh, we're okay. going to start off with the obvious person here, Michael Keaton. Uh, mm-hmm. He plays as Hunt Stevenson, who's kind of the guy who shows up there. He's trying to help bring the Japanese to America to try yeah. and get them to build the plant, you know, and work the plant here with Asan Motors. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I have to say, I think Michael Keaton, and I know that you disagreed with me here off air, but I really think that he played this character very well. And, I think he did, too. I think he did, too. You know, in this in this goofiness of, you know, hey, I, I got to be this smooth talker because that's really what he was for the entire town. He was the smooth talking, well liked character by the entire town, and everybody I, knew him. 
Yeah, I, I will agree with the smooth talker part. I kind of thought he was smarmy. Yeah, and he was. It, it, yeah, and I kind of, right off the bat, I was kind of turned off by his character. I believe he did play it very, very well. Um, but I was just turned off by the smarminess and by the, you know, yeah, the smooth talking and just, yeah, he, he lied to his, cause he was kind of the liaison between the workers and the union. For oh, that's the, for that's the company, exactly right? what it was. Yeah. So, you know, he was definitely, um, not a hundred percent truthful. And there was just a lot of things about his character that I did not like, but it, in the end, you know, he did do the right thing and that's, you know, I had I ended up getting a lot more respect as the movie progressed, you know, towards the end. And I think know, that that was what they were looking for is, you know, here's a guy who's just goofing around with throughout life. And now he's realizing yeah. that he's got to step up and take things a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, and that was kind of he kind of played the same roles that he did in some ways. I think that it was kind of the same character that he played in Mr. Mom, this kind of I, offbeat I was, character. Yeah, I was going to say that it kind of reminded me of Mr. Mom. Yeah. yeah. Definite change from what he played with uh, when he played as Bruce Wayne and Batman and Batman and Batman Returns. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously well different from the character that he played as Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, I, I I will mention here some other characters that I did like him in. Uh, he was kind of, an, you know, he was kind of an ass when he was in movie Cars. And a lot of people don't know this. He was Chick Hicks in uh, Cars, the the... Basically, the kind of bad guy that was mouthing off to uh, Lightning McQueen. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you know this, but he is also another Pixar character. Uh, he showed up oh. in Toy Story 3 as Ken. He did? He was the voice of Ken in Toy Story 3. Oh, I have to watch that again. How mm-hmm. cool. Okay. And Michael Keaton, I have to say, th- that's probably his return back to stardom in a sense. Yeah, because uh, he had been gone for a long time, right? Yeah, and, and he's actually yeah. getting ready to come back for the new RoboCop remake. He's going to be playing the bad guy, Raymond Sellers. Really? So, mm-hmm. Good for him. Good. So I, I think it'll be good. You know, he, he's definitely aged. I mean, you know, he looks yeah. older, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really good for him to play this kind of so nasty, too. you know, nasty jerk. So did he? Did he even really do anything in the '90s? Like, well, I think Toy Story came out. Well, that was yeah. 2000. He had yeah, multiplicity, he, which was it, it was one that he like cloned himself a couple times, and I vaguely remember that one. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a reason that you only vaguely remember it. It yeah, was not that it good. Was, it, yeah, it was forgettable. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Moving down the line here, we have the next person here, uh, Getty Watanabe. Uh, he played the oh. character Takahara Kazuhiro. Uh, oh, was, yeah. Uh, he was I the plant manager. His name. Yeah. That, <laughs> The Japanese names are sometimes just so hard to remember. It's like, uh, uh, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he was, like I said, he was the plant manager. Uh, Getty also showed up uh, where most of us recognize him from, where we've talked about him before on. Uh, yeah. He was Long Duck Dong in 16 yes. Candles. Yep, that's the only movie other than Gung Ho that I've seen him in. So, well. Yep. He's been in other things. Uh, he did the short-lived Gung-Ho TV series that ran on ABC for oh. one season. Uh-huh. Uh, he also appeared in Gremlins 2, The New Batch, as Mr. Katsuji. Oh. So oh, anybody okay. who's been watching uh, The Hub recently, The Hub's been running Gremlins 2. You might have seen oh, that. Oh, okay. I uh, have never seen 
that. I'll have to catch that. Yeah, it's. I'll be honest. Gremlins two is not anywhere near not as good as the first one. So okay, okay. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, and then he's also uh, he appeared on the TV series ER. Uh, he was oh. Nurse uh, Yosh Takata. Yeah. So you might have seen him That's running cool. around, and as well, it, he was kind of like Michael Keaton in that he kind of vanished for a little while, and he's been doing voiceover work as well, kind of stuff behind the camera. Uh, oh wow! Okay. He was the character Ling, uh, one of the characters that was running around in the movie Mulan, and oh, he's also oh. he's also uh, reprised that role of Ling for the Kingdom Hearts video game series. Very cool. I'm glad he's still working. Yeah, you know it's 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 a good thing, and he's got other things that he's. I, I remember seeing something about uh, stuff that he's got that's in post production and that he's filming as well. So we'll see good where for that him. goes. Yeah. Uh, now. The next person down the list, uh, you know, I, I saw him, and as soon as I saw him on screen, all I could think was wanting to yell out, Norm! Yes, yes. And, and you guys know, you guys should probably all know who I'm talking about. This is George yep. Went, who played as Buster. Yep. That's right. Um, you know, obviously, George is probably best known for his role as Norm Peterson on uh, Cheers. Uh-huh. Uh, he was also, though... Uh, people may not remember this. He was in a Mel Gibson movie called Forever Young. Uh, oh, yes. You know, I remember that. It was, uh-huh. I, I remember the movie. It was one that I saw once, and I'm kind of like, well, that was two hours of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> I didn't really care for it at all. Uh-huh. Uh, he also, you know, he's George... He was probably best on Cheers, and that's about it. Stuff that he's done afterwards, yeah. you know. He had he had his own show on NBC for a while called the George Went Show, which mm-hmm. obviously there's a reason that we don't see it anymore. It's because it failed miserably. Yeah. Uh, and then he was one of the, one of the things that I remember him from only because it, I, I'm going to admit to having seen this movie in bits and pieces. And the main reason was that it was when I was working at AMC theaters and they were running the film, the running the film there, the movie Spice World. Oh God, yes, yes I this, will admit I, yeah, I liked that back in the day. I was the Spice Girl fan, but <laughs> the only thing I liked about the Spice Girls was was uh, Jerry Hollowell and her boobs. So that was it. Yeah, you there know? you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he played as a he played as a film producer in the movie Spice World. So. Oh, okay. You know, so there's a little little tidbit there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, next person down the list, uh, he's been kind of making waves for himself lately in, in acting. He's really kind of come up in, in the world here. Uh, John Turturro. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, now, John Turturro played as Willie, who is another worker and one of Hunt's friends. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I got to say, I love John Turturro. He is... I do too. He's, he's, he's funny in just this offbeat way mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know he played he as the plays... go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna... he plays all of his roles like he's one of those that's in so much stuff and I can't think of anything bad that he's done you know he's just kind of a you know he's not he's kind of underappreciated in my opinion too but he's in a lot of stuff and he's excellent in everything no matter what character he plays yeah, he he played as Barton Fink in the movie Barton Fink. Mm-hmm. Um, he played as uh, Jesus Quintana. At least that's what they called him in the movie, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. He was that. Uh, he was in that movie, the cult favorite, uh, Big Lebowski. That's right. Yep. Uh, 
And then, of course, he was Phantom in the Adam Sandler movie, You Don't Mess with the Zohan. That's right. I never saw the whole thing, but yeah, you're right. Now, one of the one of the most well-known roles, whether you love this or you hate this series, I'm really starting to get to the point where I'm I'm getting pissed off at Michael Bay. But um, <laughs> he was Agent Simmons in the Transformers trilogy. Uh, you know, Transformers, oh, okay. uh, Dark of the Moon and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was basically the, the scenes that I remember him for was in the second Transformers movie. He's standing there and, and he's in uh, Giza. And one of the Transformers is transformed in the, and it's on top of one of the pyramids. And he's looking and he's going, yeah, um, there's a thing with these giant wrecking balls hanging down here. Yeah. You know, and he's looking at the Transformer with these two giant wrecking balls hanging right at its crotch. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, I, I loved him for that. And then his over-the-top S7 love. So mm-hmm. uh, He's great. Next person down the list, uh, she's, I don't know. I mean, I, I really haven't seen her in a whole lot, but uh, I thought she was pretty good in this film. Uh, Mimi mm-hmm. Rogers, who yeah. is uh-huh. Audrey uh, Hunt's girlfriend throughout the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Mimi, she's actually kind of been in a bunch of different things. Um, she has. Yeah. Nothing that I would really say that really stands out is like, oh, this is the movie that you totally remember her from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But she's been in she's been in quite a bit. She appeared opposite Val Kilmer uh, in the movie The Doors as a magazine photographer. Yep. Uh, she also appeared as Catherine McCormick in the family film uh, Far From Home, The Adventures of Yellow Dog. Mm-hmm. And, of course, for all of you Austin Powers fans, uh, she appeared as Elizabeth Hurley's mother. Yeah, uh, Mrs. Kensington right. in Austin That's Powers. Right. I will interject. I don't know if you knew this, but she was at one time, she was Mrs. Tom Cruise. So I think her big claim yes. to fame was in the early 80s, she was married to Tom Cruise. And that's kind of how everybody knew her. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I will say, yeah, she was Mrs. Tom Cruise for a little while. You know, that to me, it's, gee, you married Tom Cruise. Katie Holmes married Tom Cruise. What does that say yeah. for her? <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's a shame because at that point he was kind of the, you know the rising star, and she was you know she had been already in the business for a while, but she you know that was what you know even you know it's kind of like her work was thrown by the wayside almost, and it was like okay you married Tom Cruise that's what she's well known for, and that's yeah. kind of a shame because she's a good actress in my opinion, but that's yeah. kind of what people when you know people think of Mimi Rogers they don't think about her work necessarily it's oh okay you were married to Tom Cruise you know that's the you know that yeah. was Tom Cruise's first you know it's it's kind of a shame yeah now next guy down the list i have to say it would not be a ron howard film without him being in it of course yes and i think you know who i'm talking about uh, oh yes clint howard yep uh, clint howard is in uh, it's like his brother directs a movie and goes hey clint you want to be in it sure Here I, we go. I think pretty much is he in every single ron howard movie i want to say yes Pretty much. I mean, I, it's it's kind of like a running joke now is that anytime Ron Howard films a movie, you kind of look for Clint now to show up. Yeah. You know what? I think that's awesome. I really uh, do. Yeah, because you know, it's kind of like a way to pay it forward to his brother. And his brother's a great actor. He, he you know? really is. You know, I mean, he, Clint yeah. has – he's appeared in quite a few of Ron's films. Uh, he was in uh, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He showed up as E.E. Com White on Mission Control in the movie Apollo 13. Yep. Uh, and then he was also a pathologist in the movie Backdraft. That's right. 
Now, I have to say that the thing I remember him for most mm -hmm. uh, was Paco. And you're probably going, Paco, Paco. He was in uh -huh. the movie The Water Boy. And, okay. And he goes, he goes, I may not be a smart man. I, I born with like half a brain. He goes, and I may not be, you know, some people would say I'm an ugly man. And I know that, but you, you give me hope. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. Yes. He has been in a lot of his brother's films. I think that's really neat. Yeah. You know, and, and I kind of liked him in this one here. He was, Kind of obnoxious and kind of out there, but I mean that was kind of yeah. what he was supposed to be for this, which was yeah. good. I liked it. Mm -hmm, I did too. He portrayed. I mean, never being in a you know car factory before, I I got the sense that they really were portraying it as you know pretty realistically. So yes. Uh, now, the last person that I want to bring up, uh, it, it's also one of Ron Howard's family members. Uh, oh, Ron put his dad in the movie, Rance Howard. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Now, Rance played as Mayor Conrad Zwart. Oh, that was his dad? Yes. So when you see him greeting oh. the Japanese at the beginning, when you see him giving the yes. speech in, in the gazebo. Uh, yes. Basically, that's Ron's dad. And you Oh, know, that's cool. I did not know that. Yes. Now, this is not Rance's only appearance in a film. Uh, Rance appeared in the movie Independence Day as a chaplain. Uh, okay. He appeared as a reverend in the movie Apollo 13. Uh, mm -hmm. He appeared as a priest in the Rick Moranis, Ed O'Neill movie Little Giants. Uh, mm -hmm. Basically, in fact, th this is kind of one of these little trivia things that I picked up with Rance. Uh, he has appeared as a priest, a reverend, or some form of man of the cloth at least once a year in a movie oh, from oh. 1993 to 1998. There's a little really? tidbit of trivia for you. Oh, how interesting. Do you know why? Is that just the? It's what people have seen him as, and they wanted to cast him as that. You know, it's kind of, a, kind of a typecasting thing. I mean, he's kind done other things yeah. besides that, but yeah, you know, so whatever works. You yes, know, yes. So I'm going to go ahead and let you choose. Now we're going to do the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game here. So okay. I'm going to let you throw any one of these actors at me. Okay. Let me think. Um. Let me think. Uh, trying to think of one that's not quite so well known. Do you know who played the wife of Getty Watanabe? Oh, I I did not write her name down, unfortunately. Uh, okay, I can still do it from her though, if you want. <laughs> I'm sure you could, because you would just okay. Um, let me think. Um. Okay. Go ahead. Do it from the wife. Okay. So she was in the movie Young Ho with Michael Keaton. Of course. Yeah. Michael Keaton was with Jack Nicholson in Batman. Jack yep. Nicholson was with Kevin Bacon in A Few Good Men. There you go. Yeah. Three jumps. Easy enough. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting it. Damn. Okay. Um, I know. You about... keep thinking you're going to get me one of these days. <laughs> I know. It's not going to happen. I know. Ugh. Um. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Um, who else was in? I'm trying to think who else was in that movie. That Here, let's do Clint Howard. And I won't. I, I promise. I promise. I will. I will do Clint Howard. And I promise I will not use Michael Keaton to Jack Nicholson. Okay. Okay. I can actually do it even shorter. And oh, I just God. realized this. 
Okay. Oh, wow. We'll go we'll go Clint Howard in the mm-hmm. movie Apollo thirteen with Kevin Bacon. There you go. Yeah, because you played it. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, it's my mission in life to stump you, and I'm not able to do it, and it's driving me nuts. I know. One of these days, one of these days, see, I have to pick some old, old, old actor or actress that's so obscure, but not so obscure that we're not going to know who the heck he or she is. I, I, yeah. I got to do it. I got to do it. Okay. Right, so let's go ahead and we'll move on into the plot of the movie here. Uh, I know we kind of discussed some of the characters here. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, the plot of this film, it kind of res- revolves around uh, the local auto plant in Hadleyville, Pennsylvania. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of supplied most of the town's jobs. Think of think of kind of like what's going on with Detroit right now in that we have, yeah. you know, all these these auto manufacturers that are closing up and moving elsewhere. And Detroit mm-hmm. is basically a dying town. That's kind of yeah. what was happening here with Hadleyville back in the 80s. Uh, oh. Okay. Everybody was kind of out of jobs. The plant that was there, it was closed for nine months. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the the old foreman, Hunt Stevenson, uh, he goes to Tokyo to, to convince Asan Motors Corporation to reopen the plant. Mm-hmm. And Japanese company says, well, yeah, okay, we're going to show up. Uh, they or show up in the U.S., they they try to take advantage of all these out of work uh, employees here and all, all yeah. these people that are out of work. And they say, okay, we're going to institute all these changes. Uh, we're going to say that we're going to do this. We're going to do that. They don't want to have a union there. Uh, they're paid lower wages. They're moved around in the factory uh, so that yeah. each worker learns how to do everything. And it's kind of like, look, yeah. we're going to put you wherever we feel that we need you. It's not yeah. where you're good at. It's where we feel that we need you. Yeah. Uh, and then they hold this like hugely, this incredibly high bar for everybody to be meeting with with efficiency, quality, because they're like, well, that's what we do in Japan. We're this yeah. way in Japan. You you Americans need to work this way. And mm-hmm. you know, it created just a bunch of havoc with these workers, and they were just like, we can't do this. This is insane. Yeah, you know, we can't conform to your work ethic here and we're going to quit. And they were, yeah, it was, it was just a huge chaotic yeah, thing. I mean, there, there were a lot of things that I will say that was definitely culture clash for this film. Like, Oh uh, yeah. We see that we see them starting off wanting to do morning calisthenics, you know, at the very beginning. Yeah. And yep. the workers were like, what the hell is this? You know? Yeah. We're why are we jumping this. jack? Yeah, yeah. What the hell's the point? Yeah. You know? And then of course they're seeing the Japanese executives that are sitting there in the lunchroom that they're, they're eating with their chopsticks and eating the rice noodles uh-huh. and everything. Yeah. And, and you know what? I will say this times have certainly changed because yeah. now I'll walk in and I'll see somebody in the lunchroom eating, you know, eating top ramen with China, with chopsticks. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even phase me back then in the eighties. No. Yeah. It was a big thing because everybody ate, you know, you ate your bologna sandwich or you ate your, you know, your Turkey on rye or whatever. You didn't yeah. have top ramen to be eating. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's, it's definitely yeah. a different thing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you see them, you see them making fun of the Japanese for this, for taking baths in the river. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask about that. That ritual. Do you know what that's all about? That I do not. I I think it was yeah. just them trying to bathe in the river there. My husband, you know, I was as I was telling you off air, he was stationed in Japan for four years. And when I asked him about that, he's like, "Yeah, there's a lot of places like in Tokyo and other places where public baths are very common." 
and they all kind of get together and that's what they do. They just, I don't know if maybe there's an, another reason for it, like in, for specifically in the lake water, maybe it's a, a ritual to test endurance. I don't know if it's, you know, because obviously that water has got to be butt cold. You know, I don't know. Yeah. If there's, if there's a, you know, maybe an endurance factor or just a symbolic thing there. But my husband said, yeah, there's a lot of public baths in Japan and that's a very common thing that they do. Um, but yeah, I found that to be very interesting. They showed that. And, uh, the other thing too, the, um, the screaming in the beginning, the, uh, executive training that I was like, what the, basically that was the opening scene. And I was like, what the fuck not understanding you know japanese culture but that was you know my husband had to say this is kind of it's like a boot camp almost they're 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 doing their executive training here and they're you know screaming their asses off and i'm like what is the point of this i understand it now it's i I think again is to test their strength and their endurance and to just toughen them up but yeah, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> Again, total culture changes, and that stuff oh, that does yeah. actually happen, you know? Yeah, I was so, like, wow, yeah. Now, speaking of all those things with the with the ribbons of shame and whatnot, uh, basically yeah. the reason that we see Getty Watanabe in the very beginning there, or Takahara Kazuhiro, uh, yeah. he was a failure in his career thus far because he was being seen as being too lenient on his workers. Uh, uh-huh. He was wanting. He was trying to put the workers before the factory, before the company, and that's something that you know they were harping on him for, and that's what he went through the executive training for. Yeah, uh, you know he, he saw he saw employees that were you know their families were having you know they were having babies and they were trying you know their wife was in labor, go to the hospital. That's what we would do here in America. Not yeah. in Japan. In Japan, nope. you stay in work. It doesn't matter. Work comes first. You have that. Yeah, exactly. You Everything gets pushed aside. And you, you know, just, and, uh, yeah. You know, but it's when they see, uh, you know, and this part of it here is that, is that uh, Katsuhiro is given a chance to take over the plant in America after Hunt comes <laughs> to Japan and, and says, you know, hey, we really need you. We want you to come here. Please open the plant. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Asan Motors says, okay, fine. We're going to let you take the plant here. This is your last chance. Yeah. And, you know, he shows up. Um, he tries to become strict. He be- he gives Hunt this promotion. And mm-hmm. and he tells Hunt, he goes, okay, I want you to be a liaison between us and the, the workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of help smooth the transition going between us because we understand that there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of culture differences here. We want help with this. Yeah. Uh, and he tries to do this. You know, he, he he thinks that he can smooth things over and just kind of smarm people over. And yeah. it really kind of just becomes way too much. And, you know, the workers are going, hey, hey, we want to do this stuff like, you know, like everybody does it in Detroit, like we did before. Let us just build yeah. the cars as we want. And, mm-hmm. you know, he begins to lose control. Yeah, it just would, it did not go over well at all, and it was just it, I could see it like a snowball effect. It was just getting worse and worse and worse, and I was just like, oh god. As much as I didn't like Michael Keaton's character, I did feel some sympathy for him. Like, but then again, a lot of it he created himself by being dishonest. You yeah, know, so and kind we'll, of a we'll delve right into that here because he made that yeah. deal with Katsuhiro. He's swimming in the river, which I thought was kind of funny. 
Uh, yeah. You know, he's swimming in the river and he says to him, well, how many cars? He goes, how many cars have you guys made in a month? And the record yeah. for Asan Motors was 15,000 cars in one month. And he's like, 15,000. Oh, well, okay. Tell you what, if we can do that, you guys got to give us an incentive. You got to, got to give us a raise. Yeah. And he's like, well, okay. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, jobs will be created for all the remaining workers. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but Katsuhiro says, well, you know what? If you fall even one car short, no raise, nothing. Mm-hmm. It stays as it is. Yeah. Uh, so Hunt what says. What is that? That's, that's like 500 cars a day, right? I'm doing the math in my head. Approximately, yeah. And it's it's possible. Oh. It is possible. Oh, God. Oh. You know. Wow. So, I mean, you think about it, and it's just like, it's damn. <laughs> yeah, it'd have to be a pretty damn big company with, I don't know how many workers are in that company, but I was just like doing the math. I'm like, 500 cars a day? Yep. Working around the clock, possibly, but that's probably what they expected of these workers is to yeah. work around the clock. And yeah. So, you know, Hunt, Hunt basically, he goes, he goes before everybody and he says, look, this is what we need to do. Uh, you know, we need to make 15,000. We can do 15,000. And all the workers are like, well, what if we get close to 15,000? Are you going to give us something? Mm-hmm. And so Hunt was like, uh, okay, 13,000. Uh, well, if, if we do 13,000, we'll get a partial raise. Yeah. And so, oh, boy. you know, the company's, you know, everybody on the floor is kind of going, well, you know, we can do 13,000. They start and they push towards 13,000. And they're kind of like, eh, we're good. We're good. We're, we're just going to slack off at this point. We'll get the partial raise. Mm-hmm. You know, and Hunt's basically saying, you know, hey, look, let's really kind of just push forward to 15,000. And it kind of comes yeah. out that there's nothing if they don't hit 15,000. And so the workers say, you know what, that's it. We're going to strike. Yeah, and so they leave and they they go out and now, town's Fourth uh, July picnic. Uh, we do see the mayor. He shows up. Uh, he kind of tells the entire town of Hadleyville that Asan Motors is pulling out, and uh-huh. so they're going to leave. They're going to leave town, and they said that we're we're leaving because well, your workers were just too hard to work with, and and uh, you know we we can't deal with this. This is just this yeah. is not what Japan is like. And mm-hmm. so the mayor blames how uh, he blames Hunt and says, "Hunt, you know, you're the cause of this." They said that you were the one who caused all these problems. And he and yeah. mayor says, "I'm going to kill you, Hunt." And mm-hmm. so John Turturro stands up and he says, "No, it's not Hunt's fault. They lied to him." And yeah. well, now it comes out that Hunt was actually the one who lied, and that yep. Hunt was the one who said, "Oh yeah, well, you know, if you got thirteen thousand that we'd be able to do it. But 13,000 to 15,000, they're just so close together. And I thought they'd give us something, but no. Uh-huh. So, you know. Yeah, we, that was pretty bad that he lied like that. That was... You know, I I honestly thought that they were going to lynch him standing there, you know. that. Oh, I totally did, too. It was know, crazy. And the crowd yeah. just kind of backed off and was like, yeah, you know what, you're a loser. And I'm like, wow, you know, okay. I would have <laughs> thought they would have come after him, you know. Torches and pitchforks, but apparently Yeah, not. no kidding. Yeah. And then, of course, he got the girlfriend back doing that. I was like, wow. Um, I know. That was weird to me. I was like, your boyfriend is a jack-off and, you know, lied to everybody and has been just a real asshole. And you're, t- you're taking him back because you admire that he told the truth? I, I thought that was a little weird. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just my two cents. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, 
what now we do see that Katsuhiro he he kind of has a moment where he freaks out with with his boss because his boss does show up before all the strike happens mm-hmm. and you know the the head of Asan Motors is is standing there and and he's basically telling him look you know you haven't done you haven't done right you we're going to close this plant because you guys are having so many problems here and you know you're basically failing and yeah. <laughs> you know uh, Katsuhiro stands up and he says, you know what? I think that we need to take care, more care of our workers, you know? And he says, yeah. uh, he says, one of our workers here, you know, his wife is in labor and he wants to go home. And so, you know, the boss asks him and he goes, well, what do you want to do? And he goes, I want, I am Japanese. I want to stay and work. Yeah. And it's kind of like, wow, really? And, and you see this and it's, I understand the mentality behind it, but at the same time, you know, I, I guess maybe it's just my culture looking at this and going, wow, for us, we would totally take time off to be with our families. Oh, yeah. You know, family yeah. is more important to Americans than than work is. Yeah. Which I, I don't know. I can see both sides of the coin, but I just think that there has to be a balance. And it just, maybe Americans are better at the balance uh maybe we're not maybe we are lagging in term you know compared to the japanese you know but i mean it's not that one is wrong or one is right it's just different but i i myself you know i definitely agree you know family comes first you know put give your all 100 percent to everything you do your family your career you know things that interest you yeah. Um, don't put everything into your job because what are you going to have to show for it? You know, it's, but I do, you know, understand and respect the incredible work ethic as well. So, well, and we do see some of that coming out that, you know, Hey, maybe the company, maybe having a job is important to take care of your family because we actually do see that towards the end here. All the yeah. workers decide they're going to go back to work and try and knock out the last thousand cars that they needed to build before seven thirty the next morning. Yeah. And we see them all kind of just do this whole rush and, you know, they work through the night to try and get all the cars out. Uh, you know, the president says he's going to start counting all the cars. You know, he starts going through all of them and they realize that they have 14,996. Yes. Uh-huh. And it's like, nope, sorry, you're, you're four cars short. Nope, nope. And he goes, well, we have more cars inside. Well, why didn't you bring them out? Uh-huh. Uh, good question, because they're not finished. They don't have things like motors in them, windshields. They weren't exactly. finished cars. Yeah, I actually wrote it down. It was a 14,994. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yep. So, you know, just just this amount that's short. And, you know, mm-hmm. we finally see that Hunt, you know, uh, Hunt is basically like, you know what? That's it. I, I, I you know, I want one of these cars that's made here. It's made with our hard sweat, you know, our hard sweat and tears and blood. I want one of these cars, not what I had before, you know. And so he he tries to drive off in the car. The car falls apart around him, which (laughs) I I thought that was hilarious. That was totally hilarious, yes. and, And at this point, we finally see the CEO starting to lighten up and realizing that, hey, these really are good people that do have a good work ethic, that they really do want to have this company here. Yeah. And he tells everybody, good job, and he keep, he decides to keep the plan open. Mm-hmm. And you start seeing that the workers and management, they've compromised. Um, the latter agreeing to partially ease up on their requirements and pay the employees better. And the workers mm-hmm. start becoming more cooperative. And you see them actually at the very end doing calisthenics with everybody. So Yeah, that was cute. That was cute. I it kind of keeps nice. understanding. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and this is the thing is that they really, you kind of have to have a melding of both, you know, they have to have this one ideal and they want to hold a standard to that. And they want people to realize that this is what their standard is Mm -hmm. at the same time. You know, the workers need to come up to a realization that, Hey, we need to work better. We can be better. Yeah. So I I do have quite a bit of trivia for this film. Uh, Do you have anything here that you want to throw in? Let me see here. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I like the, the some of the lines in the movie. Um, I thought actually that Getty's character had some of the best lines. I thought like a. Where he, uh, where he, the scene where they went out drinking, and I was going to ask you too, where, at what point in the movie did you kind of feel like Hunt and I'm going to just call him Long Duck Dong? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> at what point did you feel like Hunt and Long Duck Dong were kind of becoming, you know, reaching an understanding and, and starting to be friends? I kind of thought it was after they had the talk after um, Long Duck Dong's wife got insulted in the grocery store. And they were having that talk, and then he's like, hey, you want to go out for a drink? I, I think about then is where I was seeing it as well. I mean – Yeah, and I kind of, I love that scene too where he's drunk, and he said, and he puts his hand through his zipper, through his pants, and yeah. calls it a one-eared, one-eared elephant. elephant. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, hey, ass. Reverend, hey, Reverend, Reverend, check this out, one-eared elephant. <laughs> I laughed my ass off. And then there was another part where the his superiors come over to the house and the kids are all crazy. The little girls feeding the Cabbage Patch doll and watching MTV. And he's, of course, angry and freaking out, you know, and, and yeah. that is something I didn't like about his character. He was so mean to his wife and kids. You know, I understand he was under stress and, you know, yeah. but he was mean to his family. And then, like, the, the son comes through all dressed up like a ninja or whatever and he's shooting at everybody and... So the, oh, his boss sorry. Coming. Neighbor's kid. Neighbor, neighbor's <laughs> child. Neighbor's child. I, 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 it was fucked up, but I laughed so hard. I was like, oh, yeah. awesome. Um, and then let me see. Oh, the scene towards the end when he finally goes, he, he has that freak out and Michael Keaton goes in after him. He jumps into that lake and he's like, yes. just have complete conniption and <laughs> and michael keaton goes in after him and he's like i'm just freaking out yes i'm not trying to drown myself i'm just freaking having a major freak out <laughs> <laughs> i think out of everybody i think he had the funniest lines yeah oh, oh, I, no. although I, I liked michael keaton's line is a, is a frog's ass water, water tight that yeah. was cute you heard muttering in japanese yes we believe it does <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I have to. I had to put that out there. I, I loved his lines in the movie. I think that he definitely, um, as much as I didn't like his character and Michael Keaton's character at the beginning, you know, they were just you know, so angry and so smarmy. And I did not like. I will interject how Michael Keaton told you know Audrey how Hunt told Audrey to shut up in the during the dinner scene. Oh. That really pissed me off. And then she runs off, and he doesn't go after her. I, yeah. I was talking to my husband. I'm like, if that, if you ever do that to me, you know, I will be so furious, but even more so if you don't come after me, I don't care what you're doing. You know, yeah. you could be discussing the fate of the universe. I don't freaking care. You need to come after me and make things right. That was something that just kind of perpetuated throughout the movie. I'm like, this is a real jerk. Yeah. Uh, 
So that was something too. So I my mean, he, he finally did wise up, but it, it was you know it was kind of one of these it things was, at the end of the movie of like I'm an ass. <laughs> yeah, it was the entire movie, and I just kept thinking, "Is this has got to get better? This has got to get better." These two characters are so consumed with this job. This has got to get better. You know, their personal relationships are suffering here. You know, so that was something that, you know, I just was, I felt so much sympathy for the women and, you know, in their lives. I was just like, oh, this is just so God awful. This has got to get better. And thankfully it did. Yeah. Uh, But that was why I mentioned, because I think that was when they decided, you know, they kind of reached an understanding and started to kind of understand each other's positions and kind of become friends. So I thought that was kind of important. So other than that, um, the only other trivia that I have is, and I wanted to verify this with you because my husband brought it up to me. He said um, that the car that was made in that factory before the Japanese came along was never uh-huh. mentioned in the movie. Is that true? That's true. The 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 ones yeah. the, the cars that were being made before the Japanese opened up Asan Motors, we never actually found out what the car was. Yeah, now, that's what Daniel said. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, they never mentioned it before. Yeah, what what the car was that that was there before? I was like, oh, yeah, hey, good, you caught that. Yeah. Uh, now, however, speaking of the cars that were made there, because Asan Motors obviously is a fictional motor company, there is yeah. no actual Asan Motors. Uh, no. I was kind of wondering what the cars were that were being built, so I went and looked it up. Uh-huh. Uh, really? They were 1983 Fiat Regattas. I'll be darned! So, I wasn't. That was either. I was kind of curious. I kind of took it a song to be kind of like a take on like Acura and Nissan put together. That was kind of my. Yeah. Uh, and actually it was a, uh, a song was a play on words for the real life Japanese car company, Nissan Motors. Uh, uh-huh. And it's kind of funny because the fictional Asan in the film is based in Tokyo, uh, but mm-hmm. Nissan is actually in real life. Um, it's actually also based next to Tokyo in Yokohama. Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah. uh, Now, a couple of things that were interesting here about this here. uh, There were actually quite a few actors that went from this film onto the TV series. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had uh, Saab Shimono, who was – he was the the boss's nephew. Yep. Uh, Patty Yasutaki, I think is how you say her name. I think that that was – uh, I think that that was either the girl at the the receptionist, or it might mm-hmm. have been uh, Getty's wife. Or, oh, okay. You know, in, in the movie, yeah. Uh, Rodney Kagayama was also in there. Uh-huh. He was the uh, I believe that he was the guy who was who had the big glasses on. It was either him or Sa- uh, Sab Shimono. I'm not sure which one. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, now Clint Howard also appeared in the television series along with Getty Watanabe. Mm-hmm. So Getty Watanabe, he was he played a basically the same role, but the character name was different. It actually was not the Whoa. same character name, which was kind of funny. Uh, oh, see in the movie he played um, Oishi Kazuhiro, uh-huh. whereas in the sitcom he plays Kaz Kazuhiro. So oh, different names, you know, different names, yeah. same character. I wonder why they did that. Have a hard time guessing at that maybe licensing or something like that. Could be, yeah. So, Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, now, as for that park scene where we see it being filmed, uh, that was filmed in Beaver, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Uh, the gazebo that was uh, – the gazebo that we see everybody having the town meeting or the town picnic in uh, where the mayor's basically threatening Hunt, mm-hmm. that gazebo was built especially for the film. 
Oh, and really? They, yeah, they left it as a gift to the city. They're like, well, thank you for doing this. It's still there today. Very cool. So I thought that was kind of nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me see. Oh, this is kind of an interesting little blurb that I picked up here. Uh, with this movie here, according to Wikipedia, uh, Toyota's mm-hmm. executives in Japan have used gung-ho uh, as an example of how not to manage Americans. <laughs> funny and and you know what i can see Uh, that i can totally see that of being look americans a little bit more brash you know yeah here's how you need to you need to work with them you know definitely Mm -hmm. an eye-opener yes uh so i kind of found that funny Uh, Mm -hmm. you see here that's actually about it for the trivia that i have for this Uh, oh wow Mm -hmm. so if you have anything else that you want to add in you know i forgot a quote the dinner scene before he told Audrey to shut up. I thought it was hilarious when um, Hunt was like, what do you call this? What are we eating? And then oh, meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. This, yeah. And, she, and he's like, this is too delicious to be meatloaf. You know, I, I was thinking to myself, this, this could be meatloaf, but it's just too delicious. I thought that was a great save. I was like, and then he takes so- and he scrapes it onto Audrey's plate. Cause it's so <laughs> awful. I was just like, I was like, Oh my She's God. Like, Thank like thank you dear i mean he just so mistreated her during that dinner i was just like oh i laughed but he was such an asshole but i oh, laughed yeah. and he, he pulled it off so well so I, I do agree with you that he did pull this role off pretty well but it was such an unlikable character it was just oh, yeah. like oh, oh god but i i did like that scene i laughed out loud at that scene oh see um, now one of my favorite scenes that i have to mention is that when uh, Getty is is arguing with his wife, and she's telling him that tomorrow is the boy's birthday. Yes, and I'm yes. like, really, tomorrow is the boy's birthday. You don't have a name for your child. Yeah, that was. And I have to you say know. too, I told, I noticed that, and then also she comes to him with this big ass bike. Oh, I want to surprise it, you know, and it's at night. I want to surprise yeah. my, you know, with the bike in the morning. Can you put it together? I even looked at my husband. I'm like, I would never do that to you. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. You know, you get for something that big, you know, and that time consuming. I'm like, she's out of her freaking mind, especially knowing how busy he is with his job. You know, I'm like, I'm sorry, but that bitch is unrealistic. There, oh, yes, I know. Treated, but I'm like, there's no freaking way yeah. that most husbands, you know, I could see why he told her to shove off. Look, I'm busy. I'm working. You can't, you can't throw this on me right now. You well, know, I, I love that he's like telling her to speak English, and and she goes, oh, yes. I went and bought the bike at Sears, where America shops. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly. And, and there was just so <laughs> many little things with that. Like, do you want some more Jimmy Dean pork lean yes. sausage? You know, the wife was obviously being sold on watching all this television. Oh, totally trying to be Americanized. And I thought it was, I thought that was cute. I was like, she's trying so hard, you know, to integrate with America, you know. The the best, the absolute best slang that I heard in the movie, though, uh, is when he goes up, when when Hunt goes up to go see uh, Getty's character up in the office. And she says, oh. Today, you know, the receptionist says, oh, today, not a good day to, to see boss man. Yes. <laughs> and she's flipping through the book of American slang. He between a rock and a hard on. <laughs> I was like, and you can see Michael Keaton just kind of like looking there like, uh, yeah. Okay, rock and a hard on. <laughs> he looked like he was about to laugh. It was perfect. Yeah. 
perfect. I, I, yeah, I laughed out loud at that too. There were a lot of funny lines in this movie, which I think was, in my opinion, is what saved the movie yeah. because from start, the start of it until about the last 10 minutes, I don't want to say I hated it, but I was not happy with it. I was like, okay, they did a good job with the acting and each one portraying their characters. They did a good job in, you know, showing the strife between the Japanese and the Americans and the whole integration and the chaos. Um, they did a good job showing the strife at the homes between, you know, the interpersonal relationships with the women in their lives. But these were not likable characters. And I just had a hard time with it until the last, you know, even with the one-liners, which did oh. help it until the last 10 minutes when it all kind of came together and, and resolved and they, and they came together. Let me um, ask you this. Do you think it's because you're trying to apply uh, 20, 21st century values onto something that was, you know, late 20th century? Uh, possibly, possibly. Um, a lot of it too, being a very sensitive woman. Um, and I'll admit that I, you know, these women were there to support their men and they, you know, I think it even at one point, Audrey said, I'm just trying to help, you know? Um, and that was, you know, that's what they were doing. They were taking on that role. They were trying to be supportive and they just kept getting shot down. And it's like, I understand the stress of the job. I understand, you know, my husband's stressed every single day brings it home. It's hard. It's hard to leave it at the door. It's hard to not bring it home. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, as a woman, I felt immediate sympathy for the women characters. It was like, and I felt sympathy for the men too, because it was a bad, you know, bad, bad, bad situation from the get go, a big transition and nobody was liking it. And it was like, I keep saying it was chaos. So I felt sympathy all around, but it would, it would have helped if there was more sensitivity, I think, with Hunt and with Long Duck Dong, just yeah. just a, a tiny bit more uh, sensitivity. I think the sensitivity chip was missing a little bit in both of them. Yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, um, the movie, I, I can't say I hated it. I'd, I'd give it a B minus, in my opinion. Um, but it did have an overall good message, in my opinion. So yeah, I mean, it, I it think I think that the movie for me was it was definitely capturing a good portion of what was going on in the eighties. Yes. And yes. I liked that. And I was able to see typical eighties life here coming through in, mm-hmm. you know, a small town that was going through hardships, you know, yeah. and when I look at it, it's not too different from today. <laughs> not at all. And I was going to ask you, is Hadleyville an actual town in Pennsylvania? Do you know? I, that I don't know if anybody out there is in Hadleyville or out by Pennsylvania, you know, out in Pennsylvania somewhere. If that town does yeah. exist, please write us in and let us know. I'm not very, I'm you know, unfortunately, most of my stuff is West Coast because that's where I live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just kind of curious. I'm like, I wonder if this actually is a real town um, or if Ron Howard has a connection to it somehow. I'm kind of curious about that, too. You know how directors always kind of put in or I shouldn't say always, but how sometimes they're known to put little pieces of themselves in their films. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was just kind of curious about that, if that's something that's a real town and if Ron Howard has a connection to it. So yeah. yeah. If anybody knows, that'd be great. Yeah. All right. So I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of talking about my generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. If you guys would, uh, I keep checking it here and I haven't seen anything yet, but if you would, please go and leave us some feedback. I would be happy to read it on air. Uh, you can also send us a tweet to give us comments. 
Um, I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T. Sprizout. I am at Mommy of 3C Girls. Okay. Uh, you can also send us an email at MyGenerationPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also find us at on Facebook at Talking About My Generation, or you can go to our website at MyGenerationPodcast.com. Uh, so I think we're going to sign off this episode here with uh, Chrissy Hines singing Don't Get Me Wrong. All right. Let's not say so long